that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means and Nathan Baird coming with you to you with our second half of our fall camp preview. If you want to hear the first half where we asked, we talked about the things we are most interested and intrigued by on the offensive side heading into fall camp. Check out the Tuesday pod that went up Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. So check out that one. And so this time we're going to do the defensive side of the ball. Kind of less positions. It's not as you know, poignant. It's kind of like front seven, back seven situation here. So that's defensive line, that's linebackers, that's cornerbacks, that's safeties. Year two of Jim Knowles, year two in this system where you would expect some guys who were maybe younger got opportunities last year, second-year guys and third-year guys a lot back on the defensive side of the ball, especially at some important positions. Nathan, we'll start in the front seven. So that's linebacker D-line. Uh, D-line. Just like on the first pod, I'll let you go first. I'll let you pick again. Which, which position do you want to start with? And uh, what you intrigued by? What you thinking about going into Thursday's fall camp starting? Well, for Thursday and really throughout fall camp, um, I want to know how much C.J. Hicks plays with the ones. So we'll start with the <laughs> linebackers, I guess. You know, we know the two starters. We know that they're established. We know that Jim Knowles has said he wants Cody Simon to play more potentially taking snaps from both Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. But the C.J. Hicks thing seems like it's coming. And I think more to the point, it's going to seem really strange if we get through this season and he had a very limited role, and now you're maybe looking at just one year. I mean, we've talked before in a, in a semi-joking way about the, the Hooker-Lattimore watch list that we do, and those were both guys who were either lower-rated guys who just blossomed or guys held back by injury. Not a lot of examples of guys who were legit and were big-time prospects and then just came here and had to sit and wait, unless it's a position like maybe quarterback where you, you only play one at mm-hmm. a time. Like A position like this, and I know they were, they're down to two starters, it just feels like if, if he's as good as they say he is, then we'll start to see some indications in preseason camp that they're finding ways to get him on the field. So I don't anticipate him like stealing a starting spot necessarily, certainly not to start the year, but like, what do we see in preseason camp that indicates they have a plan for him? Yep. That's, um, that's like priority. Number one for me on defense on Thursday is where's number 11 and what's he doing? My actual question was, you just said, was he playing with the ones? I don't think he'll be with the ones. I think Tommy and Seal will just be with the ones. But Jim Knowles threw something out there that was asked of him during spring practice, and he didn't really want to go there because they weren't thinking about the position yet. But then doubled back on it at the end of spring when he, one, admitted that he maybe needs to get other guys on the field, but also threw out CJ's name with a position that Knowles brought from him. And my question is, is CJ Hicks playing the, the Jack? And it doesn't really matter for me if it's ones or twos right now because there's just so many questions about that position. And we can throw Mitchell Melton to this conversation too. From the 914, what's the deal with Mitchell Melton? It's kind of a both of those. If Mitchell Melton is the guy that coming into last year, Jim Knowles really wanted to play that position. And if he's fully healthy, he's back at it. But he's also thrown CJ Hicks's name out there with the Jack. 
as a way to get that five-star recruit and five-star talent onto the field. Is there a battle there maybe? Cause it's, I get it. There's been this idea with Mitchell Melton since he got here, but he's been hurt basically every year since he's got here. And he wasn't a five-star recruit. CJ Hicks hasn't been hurt and he was a five-star recruit. So I almost think in a world where you've got an all-American linebacker coming back and Steel Chambers is basically locked down that job along with Cody Simon being your number three, is this a way to get C.J. Hicks on the field as a sophomore by putting him in a battle with Mitchell Melton to be the Jack? So yes, he has brought his name up there. Uh, Though not in the same way he talks about Mitchell Melton. You can tell that Mitchell Melton is like Mm -hmm. what he visions that position being. And... I have some hesitations about the CJ Hicks Jack thing because you don't want this to be another Jack Sawyer situation Mm. where a guy is just so talented that you feel like he's got to be on the field and maybe this thing works, but does it inhibit his development to what he could be uh, not just down the line, but when you're trying to use him at his natural position in season. So, I have some skepticism about Hicks at the Jack. I think unless this is the plan, unless they decide through what they see in the summer, what they see in preseason camp, that this will be his role and it will be a prominent one in the defense. And that maybe that even next year, like we've Mm -hmm. got enough linebackers. We want Hicks to be the Jack and the Jack is going to be out there as a part of our base defense. Because that wasn't the case last year. The Jack was not part of the base defense. And whether that is a disconnect, whether that's just the personnel that they had trumping what Knowles would prefer to do in a vacuum, whatever, maybe they get there in the long run. And if that's if, if they see him as that position bringing the best out of him and everything he has, then I guess so be it. I just don't want it to be a dalliance. I, it, that doesn't seem to serve either player or team if it's just a thing that they're fooling around with. Because it felt like that at times last year with Sawyer. That, well, we need to use the Jack, and he's you know third or fourth on the depth chart, and so all things being equal, he makes the most sense. Let's give it a shot. And now Knowles himself looks back at that and says that was not the right decision. So I think that will inform what they try to do with C.J. Hicks here. I don't think there's much reason. The difference being, though, that in an in in uh, Sawyer otherwise would have rotated in a defensive end and did. Mm-hmm. We don't have assurance that that will happen with Hicks. Right now, he seems very much fourth in line to play any snaps at linebacker. And if that's true, and he's not going to see the field at all, then maybe there is more merit to it. I just worry about from what we saw with Jack Sawyer and the way that Jim Knowles now talks about the Jack Sawyer situation, are you setting yourself up for a problem? If you, if it, or not a problem, but are you just uh, stubbing your toe a little bit here on what he could grow into being? If you're not, if you don't fully commit and let him develop there. I think one of the major, I, I agree with you. You can't stun a guy's development because you're just trying to find a way to get him on the field. I think one of the differences though, with CJ and Jack when it comes to the Jack. I don't think that position ever really fit Jack Sawyer. I think that was just more, this guy's so talented and he's third on the defensive end depth chart, we probably should just find a way to get him on the field. And 
what ended up happening is the stuff that he was supposed to be learning, he wasn't learning. I think this fits CJ Hicks' skill set a little bit with what you want the Jack to be. You want him to be a guy who can get after the passer, but also sometimes he drops back in coverage. It's a little bit. I almost think of what if Jim Knowles would have had Micah Parsons, right? The stand, the linebacker by trade, but in a three four, he's just your extra pass rusher. Von Miller's types of guys. Um, Abdul Carter at Penn State would probably make a heck of a jack if Penn State ever decided to go this route with their def- how they form their defensive scheme. CJ Hicks is a guy. If you watched him in high school, he got off to the passer a lot. He's got kind of the same build as what Michael Parsons had coming in here, coming into college. The same kind of build that Abdul Carter had coming into Penn State last year, and so. It does feel like more of a, if CJ Hicks takes this position, it's not just because we need to get him on the field. It's because we actually see him as a Jack in our future. And for the next two years, that's his role here. And that's where you start to see the transition of that position become something that's more of a, I don't want to say wrinkle in the defense to being more of what we saw at Oklahoma State, where it's a base defense thing, where you've got your three-down linemen and then you've got your jack. And that maybe can start with C.J. Hicks if it's a position that they feel like after these, this fall camp, he gets through it, he's comfortable with it, and it's something they could see long-term. If that's how they approach it with him, that intrigues me for what his upside can be in that position versus, to your point, if it's just what it was with the Jack Sawyer situation where you're just trying to find a way to get a five-star on the field. Well, how do we know that Mitchell Melton is someone that they have serious Jack thoughts about? There's two ways. Mm-hmm. Number one, Jim Knowles won't shut up about it. Number two, they yeah. moved him to the defensive line room. C.J. Hicks is not in the defensive line room. So if they don't yep. move C.J. Hicks to the defensive line room, then I don't really probably think that the Jack is a big part of his future. If that happens, if we see that, if we see him on Thursday working with the uh, the defensive line, if we hear that he's starting to be in the defensive line room more, then now we could take it more seriously. Until that happens, it almost sounds like just a thing that's on the table, but isn't. It's just sort of laying on the table. It's not. Nobody's picking it up and using <sighs> it. But that's almost a question of because we've uh, we've asked plenty of times. Does the jack have to come from the defensive line room, or can it come from the linebacker room? Because those are two very different. You have to train as also, the jack, though. Yeah, and that, that's almost a question too. Is Larry Johnson still in charge of the jack, or in a world where James Laurinaitis is also in the room and maybe he can handle more of the linebacker stuff? Can it be similar to when they hired Greg Madison and Al Washington? where Al Washington was the linebackers coach, like he handled the linebackers, but Greg Madison had like Pete Werner and guys who were not to bring up this world again, the bullet position. He handled that type of stuff. Could we see a similar thing here now where, because GAs can do stuff on the field during practice. So James Laurinaitis is handling Tommy Eichenberg and steel chambers and gay powers and Reed Carrico um, and Arvell Reese, who I think might, He's a kind of an athletic freak on his own. He might be somebody they consider in the future as a Jack, but he's handling linebacker stuff. And Jim Knowles, outside of being the schemer, defensive coordinator, he handles the Jack stuff. So maybe we get out there on Thursday and we see Mitchell Mountain and CJ Hicks or whoever else is they're considering for the Jack is working with Jim Knowles when they're doing position group stuff. Yeah, again, I think those are things we would have to start to see things like that, literally see yeah. them. 
or have people tell us this is happening. It's until until we start to see those things, until there are physical yeah. indications that CJ Hicks is is training for that role. I'm I'm inclined to think of it more as like a theoretical thing. I want it needs to be something that that becomes a little bit more tangible. Outside, so that that can we learn anything else about linebacker in fall camp then other than that in a world where we know who the starters are, we know who the, we we know what the hierarchy is in this situation. And so I am not I'm fully prepared to write down oh starting linebackers Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers. Who's working with the twos? C.J. Hicks and Cody Simon. Who's working with the threes? Gabe Powers and Reed Carrico. And then Arvell Harris fits in where he fits in as a true freshman. Is there much else to learn about linebacker really in the first half of the season, if we really want to be honest with that, because of all they have coming back and all that experience? Uh, you know, probably not. It's probably not a position outside of Hicks that has great intrigue. Powers is a guy that I'm – intrigued by because he feels like another guy who gets a little bit lost in the fold here is everyone you've got the you again you've got these established veterans and then everyone's excited about hicks and you forget about powers a little bit and and the carico even to some extent but but especially powers and kind of the the acclaim that he came in with and the expectations that he came in with and does he have to wait till next year he's he's an intriguing guy I guess we can also put ourselves a little bit on watch for if we think even with Wisconsin's new offensive approach, Ohio State might have to play some more three linebacker sets against Wisconsin. Who does that guy become? Do we get an indication in preseason camp? Is that Powers? Is it Carrico? Is it Hicks? Is it Simon? Like I think there's, mm-hmm. there's several guys that could maybe answer that call if they need it. But we're also what Wisconsin's going to be offensively by the time that game happens is also a little bit up in the air. So, and as in not in the same way that we've looked at it in previous seasons, are we looking at this and saying, well, that's who they're going to have to turn to in that position? Because it's 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 a little bit more predictable than that. They're talking about you know air raid and, and changing things over. Mm-hmm. And they're still going to have to give Braylon Allen a lot of carries this year, but it may just be a different structure of an offense that won't require Ohio State to play a third linebacker as much as it has in the past, the good old Justin Hilliard days. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure who that – maybe Michigan because they run the ball so much you might have it there. But it does feel like we came out of spring last year where Reed Carrico was talking about how this is a chance for me to carve out a role for myself, playing the Sam role, or maybe um, EA Neil Tote could clear him out that role this year. And then we get to the season, it's like, nope. It's just the third best linebacker is going to be the slam, Sam linebacker, and that's Cody Simon. So but I think it might be a similar situation this year where I think you have to almost take things with a grain of salt with some of that package stuff with the linebacker situation because it might be Reed Carrico with the ones as a Sam linebacker, or it might be Cody Simon, or it might be C.J. Hicks or Gabe Powers with the ones during practice. But then once they actually play on Saturdays, it's just we're going to play our best three linebackers. It's just who's ever number three. He's just got to spend a little bit of time learning this or learning that. So let's transition very quickly then, unless anything else you'd like to say on No Thumbs and his roommate. No, I think we've covered we've covered that. I am, I, I, you know, Eichenberg was so good last year and playing down that stretch with so many injuries. So I want to see if there's something even better from Tommy Eichenberg. But I don't know how much that will be mm. evident maybe during camp. I think that's something we'll notice a little bit more uh, at, in Bloomington on September 2nd. 
I have no questions about the edge defensive line that can be answered during fall camp. I think the starters are just going to be JT Tuimaloa and Jack Sawyer. And then right behind them, it's going to be Caden uh, Curry and Kenyatta Jackson. Um, I just got to see it from Amari Abor, both from just a effort and just talent standpoint, but also just playing football because he was dealing with injuries last year. So there's just not a lot to go off of there. And then obviously the two freshmen in that, in that edge group are just not probably going to be in the factor this year. I think all the intrigue is on the interior. And I will start with a question from the 757. And I think this question will also apply to the cornerback room when we get to that. Will any of the transfer guys on defense be starters this up and coming season? You probably pencil in right now heading into fall camp, Ty Hamilton as a starter and probably Mike Hall as your bet. Ty Hamilton being what he has the most consistent and Mike Hall being the best in terms of talent. But the way Larry Johnson rotates on that interior, especially when he has the opportunity to, that room is going to go as deep as four with Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, and Taiwan Malone, the Ole Miss transfer. Maybe it gets to six if Hero Canoe shows it some things there in fall camp or Jada McKenzie finally in year five shows some things or a guy like Jason Moore, who's a true freshman, coming in as a true freshman in the summertime, but that's a large kid. When I was out there Friday watching some of the kids on their visits, he walked out. That is not a small human being to only be 18 years old. So maybe a true freshman maybe finds his way into that as a sixth guy. But it does. It almost doesn't matter who starts. It matters who's out there in the important moments. And I think Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton will be those people. But if I, you want to leave some room open for maybe Taiwan Malone, starts showing some things, especially as a pass rusher from interior and he's healthy and he's maybe more consistent with it. Could he start creeping up the Jeff chart? I think he certainly could. I would expect that maybe more something that plays out during the season than something that plays out just in preseason mm-hmm. camp. It, it's a little bit related to the uh, uh, Josh, Johnny, Jimmy Simmons mm. conversation we had on the previous pod. Again, you're talking about somebody who came in post spring so it's not that everybody else is locked in. It's just that they will have to come in, prove themselves, and then jump over. And that's not just starting in preseason camp. They've been around this summer. That process has already begun. But I, I would still be a little bit surprised if Malone were starting on opening day. Do I think he could do it over the course of a year? I think it's possible. I think he could prove to be uh, as – I mean, I think there's a high ceiling there. Um I uh, my my esteem for Mike Hall is well documented, but I think that Malone could be as talented as anybody on this defensive line. So, and I think Ohio State has felt like that for a long time. They felt like that when they were recruiting him. So, could can he get to that this year and push himself into one of those two starting spots? Maybe some of it's also positional. Is he's really more of a three tech? Hall's really more of a three tech. Hamilton maybe mm-hmm. fits more of what a nose could and should be. I don't know if they have anybody perfectly suited for that among their upper tier, but some of it could be the makeup of how you want to rotate those guys. So uh, of the guys who are transfers, of the defensive transfers, he would probably be third on my list of ones that could start on opening day. Really? Third? I think that both Igbenosan and Carter 
just from having been here in the spring, are mm. in better position to maybe earn an opening day starting job. Now, Igman Osen would probably be number one on that list. We don't want to get too far ahead of, I guess, breaking down other positions. But that that's how I would put it again, just because of who's had more time to establish themselves. Hmm. Um, Carter's the one that's a little bit more interesting just because he may... I know they've talked about him playing anywhere, but I don't know whether that's a positive or a detriment. It could be a detriment as far as like mm-hmm. having the identity that locks down a starting spot. So he may be somebody that helps him in a lot of ways and, and is depth, a uh, quality depth in a lot of ways. But does that get you a starting spot? I don't know. It's just a lot of things still going on at safety that I think are going to be intriguing in spring camp, fall camp, fall camp, fall camp. So anything else defensive line related? I don't know whether it's guys flashing well, or who's lined up where. I mean, you already mentioned the thing that I had scribbled down, but uh, Mitchell Melton, let's go. <laughs> Jim Knowles uh, <laughs> has been talking about the virtues of him as almost a prototypical Jack. And mm-hmm. they, because he was out in the spring, that pretty much shut down the Jack in the spring. He was only doing individual drills, was not involved in in the team stuff the contact stuff we assume everything we've heard full clear for him going into the fall so does the jack go back on the table as a part of this defense and do we get to see why Knowles has been so high on him as being maybe the answer at that position such as it such as it needs an answer and 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 such as they're going to decide to use it all those things are a little bit interconnected, right? That if you've, you've got to find the guy that you feel can excel at it, and then that person has to excel to the point. It's almost like the second tight end. It's like then yeah. that person has to be good enough to justify your taking off Sawyer or Tua Malowau on any given play, or even Kenyatta Jackson. And last year, I think you could do the math on that, that even if the Jack wasn't, the best use of Jack Sawyer's talents, you could justify taking one of those guys off the field for Jack Sawyer. Is that mm-hmm. is that math still going to make sense this year? I don't know that yet. I, I'm hoping the preseason camp gives us a little bit of an indication of just what Mitchell Melton is because we haven't had a good look at him as a defensive lineman since you know Knowles came in. There's just been injuries, and we're all kind of eager, I think, to see what he as an athlete looks like in that role. So now how much do we get to see that role? We have, we didn't see much of him as a linebacker either. When he first got here, Mitchell Melton is the new court Williams to me, which is interesting to call him new. Cause they're in the same recruiting class. They're both 2020 guys, but both of these guys are ideas and have been for now four years. Court Williams was this idea when the bullet exists of the safety slash linebacker who could do it all in the back seven for you. And injuries have just gotten in the way. And we've never really, I think the most we've seen it flash was the 21 Indiana game, but the game was already decided. And so I don't know how much you take from that, but I just remember us all being like, Oh, that's the bullet too bad. The bullet doesn't exist anymore. And now we have the Jack and we have Mitchell Melton. The Jack is supposed to be this linebacker slash defensive lineman hybrid that can do a little bit of everything in the front seven. And so much of it, once again, in both of these situations, the idea of a position that a new defensive coordinator brought in hung on the shoulders of someone who was not a top 100 recruit. 
And I understand recruiting rankings are everything, but they do mean a little bit of something. We're not talking about Sonny Styles as a Jack or as a Bullet or CJ. We are talking about CJX, but we're not. We have never really talked about the guys who are supposed to be the dogs, the dudes on teams when it comes to these wrinkle positions. We're always talking about these guys who were lower 100s, 200s, 300s. So. While I understand what Jim Knowles is saying, and I, I I don't know if he's if it's true or not. Like you said, we haven't seen Mitchell Melton play football in four years. But also, I'm just not sure how high the ceiling is supposed to be with him playing that position. And I mean, we've seen people outplay their recruiting rankings. Denzel Burke's done it. Malik Hooker. <laughs> I mean, that's the epitome of outplaying your recruiting rankings. But that those guys are more the outliers than the standard. So I don't. Even if Mitchell Melton is healthy and we get to see some stuff, there's that next level of like, okay, he's healthy. He's the guy they want to play it. But is he the type of guy who's going to make an impact at the level they need him to make an impact at that position? Because if not, why would you take off Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimaloa to put him on the field? Yeah. I just want to know. We need to see him play. We need to see what it looks like. And then that gives us some indication to judge how -hmm. much it's worth using that position. Because I think it has real tactical use, but it has to be the right guy, and it has to make sense in the larger rotation of that defensive line. Okay, so we teased on the two transfers in the back seven. We'll get on that. Actually, we'll take the break right here and get to where I think the more intrigue is, not just in you know who's good and who's not, but who's going to be with. The, I think this is. I think corner and safety is where the most intrigue is going to be about this team outside of cornerback, just because of all the names who are included in this situation while also the corners and safeties haven't necessarily been all that elite for the last four years. So we'll talk that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. So Nathan, let's let's start with corner. I have two questions that I came up with, and one of them was based on what ended up happening in 2019, and the other one is just a standard question. And that is, they both kind of wrap around the same thing, though. Are Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and Davis and Igmanosin clearly your best three corners? And if that's the case, why don't all three of them just start? And is that uh, is that something that is even being thought about when you talk to Perry Eliano, Jim Knowles, and Tim Walton? And the reason I bring up 2019 in that idea is... Sean Wade had played some safety when he first got to Ohio State, but he was a cornerback. He was just the third best corner. So they put him in the slot and they left Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda on the outside. And those were just your starters. There wasn't this idea of what we're talking about now where there's three safeties, but there's cornerbacks who are also cross training to play that nickel slot role in passing situations. They just played their top three corners on the field. And does Ohio State get some at some point in fall camp realize all three of these guys got to play plus Jair Brown deserves to maybe get some level of snaps here. So why not move one of those three guys inside? And I'm wondering if whether it's Jordan Hancock or Davis Igmanosin, if they could excel in that role. And maybe I'm out there with my thought process, but is that something that you were maybe even considering at all when you were thinking about questions for the cornerbacks of, 
do we ever get to get to a, pot, spot, a place where those three are better than whoever your best safety option is to play that nickel safety? Well, I think there's actually an important difference if we're t- t- comparing this to 2019 because when Sean mm-hmm. Wade played an outside cornerback, we saw how stretched he was there. He was a little bit more exposed as an right. as an outside cornerback. I mean, he he really was a safety slash slot corner, like whatever you want to call that position. That was where he really thrived. And yeah, partly in 2019, everybody kind of thrived on the defense. It all really fed off of each other. But I think even individually in space, you saw him make plays that showed you how comfortable mm-hmm. and 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 good he was at that position. And so that's – I think this defense is better off if – because my question is kind of leads into my question. My question was, does Ohio State have three all Big Ten cornerbacks? All Big Ten caliber cornerbacks. The problem with mm-hmm. having three of them is then somebody doesn't get enough play to probably get that vote or whatever. But – like, do they have like three upper tier cornerbacks again for the first time? You could say since 2019, but again, the way we're talking about Wade, I don't know. You might want to actually go back a couple years before that to when they had, you know, three first round corners on the roster at the same time. And I think if they have that and letting those three guys cook together just at corner and then using this plethora of other talent you have, whether that's. Now, several safeties who look like they might all be of starting caliber, whether that's talking about someone, if you're going to move a corner, I'm not sure the corner I would move would maybe be Jair Brown or someone, someone who isn't going to start for you, but would be that next tier down and a kind of guy that in previous years, maybe he would be starting right now, but you've topped the room off again, the way you've been trying to do for several years. And now that guy is a little bit stuck. Now you need to get that guy on the field. That would maybe make more sense to me than putting all three of those corners on the field together. Uh, Kerry Combs for a long time had a lot of success by using all three of those guys or four guys, however many it took, together and, and getting the best out of all of them. Because I don't know, as I look at those guys on paper, this will be something else we can better uh, judge once we see them in preseason camp. If there's massive separation between any of those three guys right now, I I, I think of them as relatively mm-hmm. close. And I know that's without having seen Igbenosan play consistently and without having seen Hancock play last year really at all because of the injury. But I think of him, those two and, and Burke in kind of the same ballpark. So if you're just rolling those three guys in the whole time and you, so that – you're always matching up other receivers with your fresh corners and who are all of, of, as I'm guessing, you know, as I'm saying, maybe big 10 quality, if you're doing all big 10 quality, then if you're doing that, I think you've made all those guys better. You've made both of those positions better. Uh, So I would rather them find the safety solution from the safety room or dig deeper in the corner, because I think, the bang for your buck, the return on investment of, of locking in with those three corners would be greater. Yeah, you're probably right. I think they all end up playing the same amount of snaps or at least some level of the same amount of snaps because I, I agree. I don't – as good as Denzel Burke was as a freshman, it was good for what the expectation was. It wasn't he – would, he wasn't, you know, oh, future first round. Now, maybe it is. Maybe he comes out this year and he plays like a first rounder and then – 
you know, we all shut up. But it's also just as likely that Jordan Hancock maybe plays like a first rounder because they've talked about him that way, whether, you know, on the record or just behind the scenes since he got here. It's just he wasn't healthy last year. While, I mean, we were all pretty stunned by what Davis and Igbenosin looked like when we first got to see him in pads back in the spring. So that's probably what ends up happening here is a three-man rotation through two spots. And then as we've seen in the offseason, Jair Brown and Ryan Turner are maybe working in as that nickel slot corner, especially Jair Brown, because I think he did enough last year to maybe find some level of a role for him. But, I mean, kudos to Tim Walton that that's where we are with this cornerback room. We talked about on the Tuesday pod him – getting Aaron Scott and Bryce West as top 100 cornerbacks in the 2024 class. But when's the last time Ohio State had options at cornerback, really? Because even in 19, I wouldn't necessarily say they had options. I think there was a top two, especially, of Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda being a first-rounder and Damon Arnett, the Raiders at least, thinking he was a first-round draft pick. There was still pretty much a gap between them and maybe where Amir Reap and Seven Banks were at that point in their careers. And then in 2020, I mean, that's when it started to kind of go downhill. But even then it's like, it's Sean Wade and seven banks are bust in 2021. It really went off the rails. And then last year you're dealing with a bunch of injuries. And so it's been a while since Ohio state's had some options where you feel like they can go three deep from a starting standpoint and maybe stretched out the four, depending on what your opinion is on Jair Brown. Um, Safety. Is the first question where Sonny Styles at? Yeah, uh, and and more to the <laughs> point. Again, are we talking about just Thursday? Or are we talking about all of preseason camp? Thursday will be an indication of this, I suppose. But like, what's the plan for Sonny Styles? Mm-hmm. I think we've all heard so many good things. We've seen good things, and this idea that well, he could help anywhere, and it's he's a really versatile player. Uh, sure. But, like, what's the plan to use him? It's a little bit like with Hicks, just with less resistance ahead of him on the depth chart. But at some point, like, just make – like, you got to go here. And there's got to be maybe just some tough decisions made. But And somebody's going to get nudged aside. But if he's the guy and he's ready to go, then um, what is the plan? How are you getting this next year, this next two seasons, getting the most out of Sonny Styles? Because you've – frankly, not had enough other success recruiting at safety to then also underwhelm in the return that you get off of Sonny Styles. Like, that's kind of the double whammy, potentially. Speaking of success or lack of success of the safety, uh, uh, KJ Pollard, the top safety in the country, will be making his decision on August 5th. Ohio State is in the mix, but so is Alabama, so is Georgia, so is Florida State, so is Auburn. So to the point of Recruiting safety success, uh, Sonny Styles just being 15 minutes away from your house has been the most success you've really had recruiting safety in quite some time here. I think he was a back, he was with the twos in the spring. And he was, I think, Josh Proctor's backup in the spring. So he was the backup adjuster because Lathan Ransom was playing bandit. But also, late. They've talked as if, especially those back two safety spots are very interchangeable, which they probably are. There's a strong safety and a free safety. And this, depending on what's happening in the rotations, one's up and one's down. And Lathan Ransom has showed you enough in his career that he can really play all three safety spots, but especially that adjuster in that bandit spot. And if you're turning Lathan Ransom into a weapon, 
And Sonny Styles, by just eye test, looks like a weapon. I think we said it on a pod last week. Do we expect Sonny Styles to maybe be with the starters when we get out there on Thursday? And I think we all said yes. I think I still stand by that. And I think that if that's not the case, then I'm with you where it's like, all right, well, what are we doing here? Because if it's not him, it's going to be Josh Proctor, Lathan Ransom, and probably Cam Martinez with the starters. So that's really the only question here. It's like, is Josh Proctor with the starting lineup the same way he was in the spring? Or now that it's time to actually start putting together who your best players are on the field, did Sonny Styles dominate the twos enough over the past nine months that you finally move him up there with the ones. And then we all get excited. We all get a little intrigued on what comes next after that. If you feel like Lathan Ransom might be a weapon, Sonny Styles looks ready to break out. And Cameron Martinez in year four has finally made that full transition from high school quarterback slash offensive touchdown machine to defensive back in a way that makes you forget about what happened in the Michigan game last year. Yeah, you're very much like locked in on Cam Martinez as the starting nickel and I'm less locked in on that I'm more open to that being a competition still with him and Carter Carter or the the corners that we talked about because Knowles has specifically said Mm -hmm. you know I want to get those nickel those, those guys some time there and I think that was for depth reasons mostly and to just make sure that all of those guys had plenty of opportunity to rep and and have roles, but I don't discount. I mean, Martinez hasn't done so much on the field yet that you can say, well, he's locked in. So that's one thing that that preseason camp can decide though. We could be halfway through this thing and be like, oh, well, no, what are we thinking? Yeah. I think my locked in, if I had to maybe 75% and I think it's because you want a guy who can do both. And He's the only guy within Ohio State system who has done both for more than one year, meaning he's done cornerback coverage stuff and he's done safety stuff. While with Jair, Ryan Turner, they just started doing this a couple of months ago. Jahai Carter was at Syracuse a year ago at this time. And I think that's more – I don't know if I'm locked in where we get to September 2nd and he's the starter. I'm with you. I think that's an open competition. But I do think I'm comfortable saying that he's probably the starter on August 3rd with the ones just because of where everybody's development is. Now, a lot can happen over the next 30 days. That changes that, of course. I just think that he's a pencil in for me of what you're just maybe expecting to see on day one because you're right. He didn't do anything to win the job, but he also didn't do anything to fall behind in it, and he was with the ones all spring. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense. I just, I, it's not something of the uh, as many positions that is it does seem like locked in on defense. He wouldn't be high on the list. There, there's a lot that I would put ahead of him, but I think it's it's he's definitely at a place where it's his it's his time. Like it's mm-hmm. it's this far into his career, the um, the rest of that room has developed in such a way, and then moved on to the NFL in some cases. It's just anytime you've got a guy who last year was playing behind a guy who was good but wasn't an NFL draft pick, it just that, that always seems like a position yeah. where it's ripe for someone to step up and be special. But it could also just be his turn to be special. So let's let's wrap it up here. We're not going to go nearly as long because I think the names are maybe a little bit more defined on defense than they maybe are on offense, especially since – I mean, there's a lot of guys who just kind of need to show it 
in different ways, whether it's Sonny Styles showing it as a five-star or Mitchell Melton just showing it as a football player in general. How many locked-in spots come in the August 3rd where this is what it is on August 3rd and this is what it's going to be on September 2nd in your head? So uh, both defensive end spots. Mm-hmm. I well, both linebacker spots. Yeah, I think Denzel Burke at one of the cornerback spots. The other one I think is maybe a little bit TBD as to who would like take the first rep on September second. I think Lathan Ransom is a starter for sure. And then I guess the questions are the Styles Proctor question. And the Martinez whoever question. And defensive tackle, I guess we should probably lean towards the guys who did it last year, right? Because Mm -hmm. they did it well enough that there's probably no reason to assume that they get bounced. So I would probably say Hamilton and Hall, too, are pretty locked in. So that's eight spots where it's like you can probably write their name in pen. At this point, and be heavily surprised. And then of the other three, it's like a cornerback battle that might not even be a battle because all three of them are going to play meaningful snaps. A safety situation that feels very muddled, regardless of how you feel about any individual person, because you're almost trying to figure out what they want this year. And then another safety spot that basically has come down to, do you play the old experienced guy or the new uber talented guy? At safety, it feels like the floor is secure. I think the floor Mm. is better than it was a year ago. I I think what preseason camp will tell us is who might raise the ceiling. Is Styles ready to raise the ceiling? Is he ready to go? we, we, We keep... It's tough, man, because he so many expectations on him. He comes in early, like there's, it's it's not an easy gig, and he's trying to do something that's a little bit uncommon. He's only supposed to be a true freshman. He just has that extra year now of of being in the program a year early. So, does that mean he's he's ready right now to raise the ceiling, and or is there something that they do at nickel, whether that's whether it's just Martinez coming into his own or whether there's someone else there that gives you an improvement over what McAllister was last year, which, by the way, was pretty solid safety play, I thought, for most of the year at that nickel position. I know there were some things here and there. He was obviously banged up here and there. But a guy that made some plays and was largely steady at that position. So is there somebody on this roster right now that improves on that? Yeah, I think the thing with Sonny is just you're right. I mean, he's got here a year early, but I. It's intriguing because even if he hadn't have gotten here a year early and he had just showed up in January as normal, I think we'd still be having this conversation. He's that talented. That's what makes him intriguing. While with the other nickel safety spot, maybe that's like it matters, but it doesn't matter because it also could be. What if they don't have a guy like Tanner McAllister was, who you just leave him on the field, regardless of what the situation is? He can handle both situations. What if it is like 2020, where you had a starter, 
which I'm, I'm, I'm I think was Marcus Williamson. I'm you had a starter, but then on third down passing mm-hmm. situations, you had Cameron Brown coming in as your nickel until he got hurt against Penn State. That was supposed to be his role. It the you can do that. There's more options available to be able to do that, which is where you see a guy like Jair Brown come in, who would be in his second year in the program as like on first and second down or. When it's just kind of wide open and you're not sure what's going to happen, you need a guy who's just going to be a secure tackler and do his job. It's Cameron Martinez or it's Jihad Carter or somebody else in the safety room. But on third down, when you know it's about coverage, and it's base, it's not really a nickel safety. It's a slot cornerback at that point. That's where you come with Jair Brown. And that's not – some of the stuff we're not going to be able to find out about during fall camp. You'll just have to see it play out in real time on September 2nd and throughout the season, which is why it feels like this pot is shorter. It does feel like on defense, there's more things that because you know, the names August 3rd is not going to tell us much other than like who is involved, but you won't get real concrete with it until they play a team that forces them to show their hand. You know, it's the 2020 comparison it, it's it's slightly different because you're talking about corners versus safeties. But Knowles mm-hmm. talked about that in the spring, that when he got here, that was the position where things were a little bit janky as far as like fitting with his system. And I think that's something that maybe we'll get a better grasp of in preseason camp too. It's, you know, last year it was easy. You could just bring in Tanner McAllister, who was doing it for you at Oklahoma State, just put him right on the field, and now he does it for you in Columbus. And it was an easy one-for-one swap. And now – you have to conjure that from somewhere else. You have to make the decision based on other factors. You don't have the facsimile to just slide into place. Uh, well, it wasn't even a facsimile. It was him. It wasn't a clone. Yeah. It was him. <laughs> so I, I, we might get through August and have a better indication of what Jim Knowles sees in certain people on this defense and where he feels like um, he is – assembling how he is assembling this defense how is he building the the actual personnel because at all three of these safety positions i mean again last year you had the proctor ransom thing but those were both guys who were just making the usual other than ransom being hurt for so badly in the rose bowl really guys who were just at that stage of their career normal development you had ronnie hickman back as the holdover and you had McAllister sliding in from the same position he played before. It was a little bit of an easier thing. And then now, even though Ransom's back as a starter, that's two other spots where you've got to make some decisions. And I know Knowles said that he was more open now to playing, to, to rotating or or doing some specialized things in the back seven. I guess I'll see believe that when I see it. Uh, yeah. uh, but I think all of those conversations are secondary, no pun intended, to finding just three dudes. Like if you can find three dudes that make your defense again, that raise that ceiling. That's what Ohio State's that's the first priority. And then if that doesn't necessarily happen or doesn't happen by September 2nd, now do you move around some things until you find that third dude? Okay. So get the text 614-350-3315. We'll be texting a lot of this information out on August 3rd when we're out at practice. Here's the plan for the rest of the week. We've done our preview on offense on Tuesday. You're listening to this on Wednesday. We've done our defensive preview. On Thursday, before we head out to fall camp, we are going to drive the bus. You know what that is. You love what that is. It's time for you to pick a player that you're going to drive a bus for. 
It doesn't have to be All-American bus. It doesn't have to be Heisman bus. It can be as simple as you think this dude's going to have X amount of numbers or do this this season. But it's that time of the year again. It's time to drive a bus. Season is right around the corner, guys. August 3rd, Ohio State will start camp. September 2nd is when they will play their first game at Indiana. For Nathan, I am Steven. And that was Buckeye Talk.